Welcome to Not Mama Misadventures, stories of mishap and adventure from women adventurers. Every woman has a story she can share, from the zany to the inspirational. Blah. <laughs> I've only done this video. Anyway, brought to you by Mountain Mamas, a nonprofit women's adventure organization. Women empowering women to adventure. My name is Emily Hacken. And I'm Deborah Moore, and we are your hosts. <laughs> we have an awesome guest today. This is my friend Erin Pine. She lives, gosh, how long have we known each other? Almost half our lives. Which is pretty awesome. I feel like next year, didn't you say next year is going to be our friend anniversary of 20 years or 20? Year and a half. Yeah. <laughs> is it awesome? I don't know. This still, I think this is the glorious thing about being in your 40s is you start having like cool, like people you met in your 20s. You're like, we've been around a while together now. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. You'll have to have like a celebration where you guys have cake in Alaska. Because <laughs> wherever it is, it has to be cold. That's right. Somewhere cool. We've Am had I, so many cold I'm adventures. Not, I'm, not, I'm not wrong. <laughs> well, Erin's from Fresno, California. She currently lives in Provo, Utah. She's been married for 15 years and has three kids. And a fun fact about her is she used to swim when she was in high school. And that's where you get your strength. Like, I feel like you can beat me at any arm wrestle or leg wrestle. Probably. <laughs> Hands down. <laughs> And what was your sport in swimming? Like what event? Freestyle sprinter. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So, and oh, tell right. people what that like is. Like how how long is that? Because I know pretty much almost nothing about swimming. I mean, other than it involves water and moving. Yeah. Limbs. So so freestyle is just like the the basic overhand the crawl, you know, whatever. Just um, yeah. And my events were always the sprint, the sprinting, fifty, three hundred free, the relays. Um, and then I started up a girls water polo team because um, we wanted to play water polo and we joined the boys team one year and they didn't really like that. So it kind of um, grew in the city and, and then other other high schools were forming their own girls teams so then we could play. So why didn't they really girls. like that then? Uh, well, it's a really physical sport. Um, um. You know, there's a lot of touching a lot of underwater kicking. Okay. And Do the girls play too dirty? Is that what happened? Well, sometimes <laughs> the girls will grow out their nails. Oh, <laughs> we can be mean and nasty. It's true. <laughs> I was like, guys can be, yeah, little kicks under the water. And yeah, you can incapacitate, incapacitate your. <laughs> I can see women being pretty brutal. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the, and the boys are just a lot stronger typically than, than the girls were. And so. They didn't like to pass the ball to us, you know, so. Mm, blah. Well, that is awesome that you got a women's league going. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. Look at you empowering women, Erin. <laughs> Since she was in high school. Awesome. Well, we wanted to share a story today with all you listeners about when we went to Everest Base Camp. So Everest, of course, Mount Everest in Nepal. And then um, the base camp is the... It's, so we never did the summit. Oh my gosh, I don't know who. There's some people that thought we did the summit, which is super cool that you think that we were that cool. But um, oh, the base camp is cool, just though. base camp is still pretty cool. Um, but uh, it's at seventeen. What was base camp? Seventeen thousand. Well, that year about seventeen thousand five hundred. It kind of kind of varies with how the how the glacier is in the snowpack. Yeah, where they put mm -hmm. the camp at. But yeah, yeah. so seven. 17,000 for a frame of reference is higher than any of the highest peaks in the lower 48 states. The highest one is in Mount Whitney in California, 14,400 Four. 14, feet. So 
For another, th um, their base camp, just where they start to climb Mount Everest, is 3,000 feet higher than that. Mm -hmm. So if you kind of have an idea, I mean, so the trek just to go to their base camp is still kind of an epic thing. And especially if you live at like sea level or something like that. Luckily, we live in Utah. And so we live at like four, four and a half thousand feet. So we kind of had a little edge. But anyway, it was oh, super yeah. epic. Yeah. And it was, I don't know, it was 17 years ago. So it's crazy to think of that. Like it soon will be 18 years ago. Um, it's easy for me to remember because you guys did this just a little bit before my oldest was born. Ah, it's like, how did you remember? That's so cool. Yeah, this is 2004. Yeah, nor normally, I'm rubbish with numbers, but... <laughs> I remember I had, my children. This is, this is how I remember my life. It's <laughs> things that happened before I was married, things that happened before my child, my first child was born, things that happened before my youngest was born, and then all the other stuff. So I need, the to, rest of I, life. I need to have other bookends, but I just don't right now. <laughs> and I have no intention of having other children, so... <laughs> New dogs, new fish, yep, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, so the, the impetus for this trip was I've always wanted to backpack in Nepal, and I thought that would be awesome. And we had someone here that lived in Utah that was planning this trip, um, Binoy Tamang, and the company was Insight Trekking. And he's like, we just started this trip. We just started this company. We're, we're networking with my, is it cousin that lived in Nepal? Bobby? Um, I think they just, their father served in the war together, so they were oh. really close friends. Like the Nepali War? Mm hmm So they had a connection, and so mm -hmm. he was just trying to get started here in Utah um, getting trips. And so he's like, this is our first year, we're going to make it cheap, and who's on board? And so it was basically a lot of just friends and friends of friends. So it ended up being me and you, my dad. Well, I wasn't there yet. Oh, Okay, and then you take over. What happened after that? Oh, well, so so Emily had had been planning this, was already signed up to go, and I thought, well, that's really cool. Can I help you train? Ah, um, I forgot. So she's like, yeah, sure. So, you know, we'd like snowshoe and sign peak in the wintertime before work, thinking that was like training for Everest. Which is like a mile, <laughs> and it's super short, and <laughs> are like not pie, yeah, not high. I mean, it's a fun peak, but don't get me wrong, but, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we would, we'd do stuff like that. We'd go on, on bike rides. I'd go swimming after work. I'd go back to work. I'd bike to the pool. I'd swim. I'd bike home. Um, running never worked out between us. <laughs> You're I not a runner. I learned that, yep. Um, you learned, yes, you... Gratefully, you learned that early on. <laughs> I didn't know that you were not a runner. Not a runner. I'm sorry. I apologize to everyone who ever thought I was ever a runner. I am not. <laughs> no, that's okay. I'm still not a runner. So. I always feel like I'm disappointing people when I tell them. <laughs> you own, the, own who you are. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I'm not a runner. It's okay. I get it. Um, so at, at some point, someone in your trip had, had backed out, ah, and there was an open spot. I forgot that, yeah. And you said, hey, do you want to take it? And I was like, well, yeah. How could I not do that? We've done all this training together. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. And then my dad was coming as well because he just loves adventure. And then we talked. Let's see. I think then there was just a group of people from mostly Alpine, Utah. And they were all older and friends. So Aaron and I were the youngest in our 20s. For like half their age. At like Yeah, they were all like in their late 30s, 40s. My dad was in his 50s, probably, I think. Anyway, anyway, so that's our crew. We would do, I could do the math, but I won't for you, Dad. It's okay. <laughs> I'm always off <laughs> in the wrong direction. Yeah. 
But we had four women. So there's 11 people total in our crew. We had Binoy, who was originally Nepali. And then we had, um, I wrote, let's see. Then we had Aaron and I, Angela and Rhoda. So we were the Rhonda. four women. Rhonda. Rhonda. I'm sorry, Rhonda. She was the there. wife of one of my BYU professors. Who was into genetics and who incidentally was doing lots. As we drove, as we, en route to Nepal, would take hair samples of everybody all like the servers, what? and when we were like in Thailand and Japan and all the all the layovers, try I mean with their consent of course, but like trying to get a genetic map of the world. This is before like genomics and all that. Well, that was when that was all getting going. So, yeah. <laughs> so and then and actually along the whole trek, she had all these Ziploc bags with number or whatever. I, she was always collecting people's hair samples. It's funny. It was hilarious. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things of, like, because she has the degree and everything, then you're like, okay, she's not crazy. Like, this is okay. <laughs> Otherwise, this is really creepy. Right? <laughs> but, yeah, her husband was doing the city, and she was helping oh. out. And then we had a dad-son combo. We're going to remember you because you were super, he was hilarious. Anyway, father-son, then Russ, and then Hunt, who was are going to be the future mayor of Alpine. He was a super sweet guy. Anyway, so that's our crew. Um, and we got packed, and here, you go from there. So for this trip, I bought my first digital camera, and I, I felt like I'd really come, you know, to some magic place in life where I could afford something like that. Um, and it was a, a three-megapixel camera and way back then it was like <laughs> those were the, like it was a big deal back then yeah it's kind of crazy to think of that and I had to buy all these memory cards for it and um, it had a 10x zoom I remember thinking I gotta have a, a good zoom on this mm-hmm. so I can I can capture everything um, but I was too cheap to like buy anything to protect it so I kept it in a sock <laughs> The good old safety socks. <laughs> Ooh, that's a catch light. That's a line there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We packed everything. Um, I don't know. For me, it was like fun to lay everything out. and We took pictures of our pre-packing. If any of you guys ever do that pre-packing, like on your adventures. like It's like taking a picture of your dinner and sending it to someone. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're just like, I just believe they care as much as I do, no matter what they reply or don't. <laughs> so we flew out of Salt Lake. Oh, yeah. So Aaron has this great scheme if you're traveling to the other side of the world, because Nepal is exactly the other opposite side of the world. So our middle of the day is their middle of the night. And so the way we were going to catch up is to just start on their time here a day ahead. So all of a sudden we were just like, okay, body, now it's going to be nighttime and we're going to pretend it's up. We're going to sleep and then we're going to stay up all night. And our plan was that that was going to help us reset by the time we got there. I feel like it worked okay, but... Yeah, I'd, I, w- I wouldn't have known any different because I'd never done that before. <laughs> but, but, yeah, it was it was during that we were double packing or something. We were packing, repacking, something like that, and you found your passport. Oh, uh, yeah, it was in a duffel bag. After you'd, like, gone through the process of paying all this money to re- have it reissued and remailed, and you were stressing that it wouldn't come in time, and then you found the original. And they really oh. smacked you up the side of the face. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I also remember that when we were um, training, we would we tried to put on weight. Do you remember this? 
Oh, yeah. We tried to get fat because we knew we were going to lose weight on the trip. So, like, good healthy fat is what we were trying. You were only going to put on brown fat. That was your your plan. <laughs> and that, that was harder than, than we thought it was going to be. Which is the worst thing to say now. In our 20s, when you have, like, a zillion, billion energy and... Yeah, we tried though. We tried our best bet. It was a good thing too. We I later found out it was a good thing that yeah. I put on some. Yeah, I, think a I bit came back about one hundred seventeen pounds. You did? So, mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't even check. Yeah. I was in bed. But anyway, we'll get to yeah. that. <laughs> Yikes! Anyway, so we okay. So we flew to Bangkok, Thailand, and we totally spent a night there. <laughs> anyway, one night in Bangkok. <laughs> <laughs> And we went to the night market. We really got there at night, spent up like the night and then early of the next morning. But we still like wandered around the city um, a little bit in the nighttime and their markets were open. There were like live markets with, Ooh, well, cool. I say live, I guess there were markets with just lots of live creatures and things that you could eat and buy. And it was just fun to wander around there. I did not recognize anything from the ocean that was offered there. It was just repulsive. And everyone drives around, like there was a lot of folks on the motorcycles, like families of like four or five on a motorcycle. That was just like a thing. And it was like so 10 o'clock cool. at night. Anyway, it was just, oh, I loved, I wish we had way more time. I'm going back there again someday. I'll come with you. Yes. I say, is that I'm like, I'll figure out the money thing later, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'll, I'll work my way something. So then we flew to Kathmandu, which is the capital of uh, Nepal. And I have to say one little note on Kathmandu. I, um, well, first of all, driving this, so Nepal is a poor city uh, airport. Like it was a simple airport when we got there. And then the city of Kathmandu itself, as we you drive around, like, and this is what I think is a cool to make a couple notes on, like, um, um, they worship cows. Cows are very sacred there. And so you, in their crazy, busy third world streets, you've got buses and cars and motorcycles and trash. people and trash and cows everywhere. Like they're like, you're like, and this is like the main road, like the main road and we're all going. And then I'm like, oh, it's a roundabout. It's a roundabout because there's a cow in the middle of the road that's <laughs> not moving and we can't touch it because it's special. And so we all go around. Yay. And then I also have to say, I think of all my journeys, like the Nepali beggars, like the people, you know, were the nicest I'd ever met. Like they were kind of like, hey, I'm hurt. I'd like some money, but I'm going to keep my distance. Just ring my thing and just, you know, if you want, I'm way over here. I don't know. Like when I was in Morocco, mm-hmm. they were like in your face and they're like picking yeah. in your pockets. Anyway, there, I just love Nepali. And I was, that was like my first thought of like, hey, you know, I, I love the, you know, I kind of like this place. It's super mm-hmm. cool. And and then, of course, we come to love the people. Like, mm-hmm. you know, incredibly, they are just kind and loving and humble and amazing. But did you want to share some of your thoughts about being in Kathmandu? Oh, yeah. So it was a, it was a really busy, dirty, smelly <laughs> city, and I was really... Uh, Is this your first time out of the country? I can't remember. Like, you'd been... Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, you were like, into the frying <laughs> so, pan. It's not like India, I'll tell you. But yeah, it's still a little wild. Don't wear flip-flops. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> don't drink the water. Um, yeah, they had um, kind of a walking tour. We spent a couple days doing walking tours around, um, which at the time I didn't really appreciate because I just wanted to be in the mountains. But um, looking back, I, you know, it, it was a good thing to appreciate a different culture and a different way of life 
they had um, a cremation along the river that we saw from the opposite bank. Um, you know, the very, very sacred to them, very stinky and, and Yeah, the water smoky. is very sacred. It's a very sacred thing. Uh, so they, they burn the remains and then they brush the ashes into the river. And that's like a, you know, a holy thing to send them oh, off into really? the, to the next world like that. And it was wild to see the cremation along with, like, a whole pack of kids swimming in the same river, just, like, down river, maybe 100 feet. But, like, it's Nepal. That's how it goes, you know? It's all sacred. <laughs> your, your children just come out of the water a little more sacred. That's right. A little more holy. <laughs> yeah. Well, what really else did you, what else was impressive to you from Kathmandu? The stupas? What does that mean? So a stupa is... Um, a religious, so there's so many different Eastern religions in Nepal. There, mm-hmm. I couldn't even name them all. But you've got Buddhism and Hinduism, and, and mm-hmm. of course Christianity is in there a little bit. But um, you know, all my, and all you Nepali people out there know exactly which religion. I can't remember which one it is, but it's a. You'll see this symbol all over the place, and it's it's maybe it's part of Buddhism, but it's this huge half circle mound, and it's they can be small, like it's just six feet across, or they can be as big as like forty feet. And it's a half circle white dome, and then it has like a big eye on it. And then was it like a gold point that comes off the top? And then a lot of times they'll have the prayer flags that come off of them into okay. poles around all around it. Mm. Um, and so it's like I, I thought it was like the eye of. It's the eye of. It's not Sauron. Like it's the <laughs> eye. It's a very. It's a. Oh man! I I should have come up but it's a very spiritual thing and it's mm-hmm. like the all seeing eye kind of a thing but okay. um but it's a very spiritual you know kind of like going to a temple or something like that to go see the, and so these stupas are everywhere all in the city of course the big ones but even when we were on our trek you would see them up in the mountains and they'd be on high points and my mm. favorite thing was the prayer flags and a lot of these oh, yes. you could, you've if you've seen these prayer flags are rainbow colored and every single one is usually a different color and they have writing on them and they're, you know, nowadays they're pre-printed. But the idea was um, that it was, um, uh, what was the phrase? It's a phrase that's written over and over again. It's, the idea is, oh, it's going to come to us later. But the idea is it's the prayer that the lily coming out of the mud. And, like, mm-hmm. it's that no matter where you are and where you live, um, no matter what your background has been, that you are still a beautiful person and you can come out of the mud and grow and be something beautiful. Oh, and it's just that, and that wonderful. prayer of hope and um, just, yeah, that prayer of hope. And that you're mm-hmm. wishing goodness and love and stuff to the world. And every time those little flags, um, Om Mani Padme Om. There you go. That's what it is. Om Mani Padme Om. Oh, and it even sounds beautiful. I know, doesn't it? Um, but every time the little prayer flags um, um, flutter in the wind, it sends that prayer off again. And so that's why you want to have them in in a windy place. And they have them Mm -hmm. on the tops of, you know, all these beautiful places. Um, But that is, I thought that was a beautiful message coming from Nepal that I just loved. Um, And I don't know, any other takeaways from Kathmandu? We loved, there was a Baskin Robbins there that was probably the worst one in the world because no one ever goes there, (laughs) which I thought was hilarious. (laughs) We had like the nastiest ice cream. 
Anyway, they're like, who who goes? Yeah, it's only because they have so many trekkers coming from the U.S., I think, from the States. But that's, I mean, of all, we had to of, go. Of all, we of had the, to go. all the Western things to be like, <laughs> they'll recognize this. Let's put Baskin Robbins. Oh, I mean, we have plenty of awesome mm. local food, but they have rickshaws there. Um, that you can do little taxis, and so it's, you know. Were you guys, so did you guys go in the rickshaw? I don't think we did a rickshaw. Or we were too or just, cheap. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it's a person carry, I mean, yeah. person's running with, and they have like a wagon behind them that's usually covered, and you can have one or two people in there, and they're brightly colored. So many colors. Um, gorgeous. And, yeah, I just, the, I mean, the, the Kathmandu is just an incredible, just melting pot of, Faiths, inner, you know, religions mm-hmm. and people, and it is just, it is a, a cultural experience for your whole body. I don't know. Smells, sights, sounds, everything. Thank you so much, Erin, um, for coming to share this part one of Base Camp. And mm-hmm. we will have you back next time to have part two of your expedition with all of your <laughs> ends and peak training in the snowshoes <laughs> and how that all panned out. To hear more um, fun and inspiring stories like we've shared today, um, feel free to subscribe to our podcast and like us and share us and all that kind of stuff. And um, check out our website at mountainmamas.org, mtmamas.org. And we are just so glad to have you with us today. That's it for today's adventure. And join us next time. And as always, remember, the woman's place (laughs) is in the mountains.